Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. All right. Are you guys ready? So I asked uh, everyone to remind me because tonight I wanted to go over, do you guys remember when we had the four mindsets of the main things that we felt like was really coming to a head? We didn't get to one of them and then we've added two more. So I want to spend some time just kind of talking through uh, the other three. That's where we're going to start. That's where we're going to launch. And then my hope is, is that we can get into some discussion and some questions. And I also have another demonstration I don't know why he keeps showing me in the midst of demonstration what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to flip this board over. Okay, actually before I flip this board over, uh, I want to preface some things because I feel like there's some some concepts that I kind of just want to confront right away. Uh, I, I found this interesting. It's something I've been engaging in all week, and so I just want <laughs> to release this. But it is, uh, I, I want to give kind of an example of what I'm talking about. But basically what I want to tell you guys is that Christianity um, has taught you things that allow you to keep yourself comfortable in a mindset under the banner of, I'm a Christian, So you operate a certain way that keeps you comfortable, and then you say, but that's what I was taught in the church world, and so therefore I'm a good Christian. Let me give an example. Turn the other cheek. Okay, so you're you're taught, be nice, you don't confront, and you are to turn the other cheek. And so then all of a sudden you find yourself years down the road adopting this mindset that you've deemed a good thing, and then that is your livelihood, which while there are kingdom principles to turning the other cheek, it doesn't mean that you get to not turn the other cheek to afford you to never have to deal with your fear of confrontation or conflict. So if you're struggling with, I'm a victim, nobody likes me, um, I don't know my voice, I'm just going to be a doormat and I'm just going to put up with everything, and then you go, but I'm a good Christian. I turn the other cheek. I'm nice. You're, You're Does that make sense? You're using biblical scriptures and putting it under the context of something and then saying that's a good thing and at the end of the day, you have not been confronted in the fullness of your transformation because you're hiding under a concept that is more comfortable for you. So Christianity essentially is very easy because you can utilize whatever concept you want to keep yourself comfortable. So when we have these anyways meetings or there are things that are confrontational, I want to challenge you that Christianity says that you should be nice. The gospel says you should be offensive. Okay? Because Yeshua was offensive. He offended everybody. What I mean by that is, is that there's a transformation that comes when you have pressure and you are offended or the potential for offense, you're hot. You get heated, you get irritated, it's irrational. You become moldable, okay? Because you have to be heated from, an un, from an, uh, a comfortable position. You have to have pressure to be transformed into a new position. That's what transformation does. So the gospel inherently is an offensive thing because it's supposed to put enough pressure on you to change your DNA or your makeup so that it can be reset in his image and not in your image. If you're nice or whatever you want to put it under and you get to just stay here, 
and there's no transformation, then ultimately you're never, uh, you're never walking in the fullness of who he's called you to. Okay? Or you could be so uh, stuck that you think you're walking in the fullness underneath this banner when in reality the kingdom is supposed to come, put pressure on a situation, put pressure on you so that you can become fully moldable into his image versus saying, this is my image and calling it his image. Okay, so I want to just preface that, not that I'm saying that tonight is offensive, I'm just saying that there are things that are, uh, that kingdom principles are by its nature, are supposed to be a grinding. It's supposed to be a pressure because that's when you get reset. Does that make sense when I say reset? If I take something, chocolate or whatever, and I melt it, I'm putting it in a state that when I reset it, I get to determine the mold it takes. Without, if you just stay the piece of chocolate, that's all that, that, that you are. But when he comes and he puts a heat to it, it begins to change the particles, it begins to change the molecular structure, and then when it gets uh, cold, it's reset in the image and in his image that he wants you to be reset in. You can't be reset if you're not pressurized is what I'm saying. So there's supposed to be an aspect to the gospel, and I think that we've adopted this idea of, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm nice, and I keep my mouth shut. Well, at the end of the day, ultimately, you're probably just a liar, so then, if you say, I'm nice, but in your heart, you're like, man, that. Does he not know what's in there? And it's going to be dealt with anyway. So we're walking around like a bunch of liars or a bunch of zombies. I look very nice. And in reality, the kingdom is like, ugh, on the inside. So when you find a family that says, let that ugh inside actually come out, it it allows for the pressure to be reset to where you're an authentic being and you're actually producing his nature, which is kindness, patience, long, right? You're, you're, you're expressing his nature, but you don't know his nature until you're pressed out of your own nature, okay? So that's why there's an aspect of the gospel that is supposed to be offensive so that it can challenge what we think, one of the most powerful things that I've learned just in myself for this last week is that I'm learning that I have, as an adult, the ability to challenge my own thought process. That's a powerful thing. That's a Hebraic thing. Most of the time, Western culture, Greek-minded people think, once I'm an adult, I'm set in my ways, you can't train an old dog. And you're, you're, you're just, you know what's right. But the cool thing is, is a Hebraic mindset says that when you're older, you have the ability to challenge, where did that come from? What I mean by that is biologically, by the age seven, newborn to the age of seven, you record everything. Everything is recorded. You do not have a logical system at the age of six to say, that doesn't make sense, so I don't think I'm going to adopt that, is what I'm saying. So you adopt everything. You record everything. You record trauma. You record joy. You record, you re, you're just taking a record of everything because you don't have the ability to sort through it. But as an adult, you do have the ability to say, I'm going to challenge where that thought came from. And so having the ability to challenge ourselves is a powerful thing. That's a Hebraic thing. We ask questions. We challenge. We talk. I, I don't know how many times I've had relationship with people where I'm asking questions because my heart is truly to understand where are you at. But the moment I ask a question, it's like, 
It is like, why are you interrogating me? Or it's like, what, what, you, what kind of mind game are you trying to play? Like they're trying to, and I'm like, I, I'm just, I, I want the fullness of where you are and what you're giving me. I don't know the fullness of it. And usually when you ask a lot of questions, you end up can get, you can end up getting to the root of where that thought happened and then you can begin to work itself out. But Western culture and especially the church culture has been like, do not ask questions. It is not a question thing that is very uh, aggressive or abrasive or it, it's, it's, a, it's factual, it's linear, it's right versus wrong. And that is not the kingdom. Hebrew culture is cyclical, multi-perspectives, glory upon glory. There's constant transformation. And so uh, just remember those things as we begin to tackle this stuff, okay? okay. I wrote this on the board because oh. she was talking about this on the way here, and I think it's pertinent Which, by that the you're way, talking he, about. He didn't listen to Vox. Well, but what, I mean, she was telling me about this in the car. It was the first time I'd heard it. <laughs> Not the first time I said it. <laughs> do you want me to release on but, that? But yeah, I mean, just okay. as you look at this statement, what, well, is, what does that mean? What do we think of that? Okay, well, let's just start. Okay, so the first one, look at that timing. It's like we planned this. All right, one of the lies I've been hearing is this is too hard. This is just, this is just too much. So I'm going to release on this for like two seconds. It is. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> it, so let's go back. Let's go back to this. But Christianity said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Do you know how many times I've been preached at by that for a convenience gospel because you don't want to be held accountable? It wasn't easy when you were holding me accountable, but now when it's time to hold you accountable, all of a sudden, but his burden is light. Convenient gospel. Okay, let me explain something. The yoke, his yoke is easy. We have adopted this mindset then that that means the kingdom or transformation is easy. No, his yoke is easy. So let me explain. Ancient times, what they would do is you would have, do you guys remember the Hebrew letter Aleph? So Aleph, so the Aleph Bay. Aleph is a, a strong leader. It's an oxen. So the word picture here for this scripture is you have an experienced, adult, leader, strong oxen that would be yoked to a younger, inexperienced, not trained, younger oxen, okay? And they're yoked together. And when they would plow and they would carry what they were carrying, and as they would plow the ground... The concept of this is that his yoke is easy because you are the inexperienced one that is yoked to one that has experience. So it's easy in the sense that you have a partner, you have someone to train, you have someone to follow, but it doesn't mean the work you're doing is easy. You're yoked to be trained to plow. It does not say my plowing and my work and transforming and expanding the kingdom is easy. It says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The burden is light because you are attached to one who is more experienced and who is stronger than you that will help you navigate through what you need to navigate when you're plowing. So, for example, the, the leader oxen would uh, come up against a large stone that was stuck in the ground. They would begin to know how to navigate that, and they would train the younger oxen that they were yoked to on how to do that. And that's how they would raise, essentially, the next generation of oxen to be able to handle the work of the land. 
Okay, so the, his yoke is easy and his burden is light because you are attached to him. But what it is that he's going to train you in doing is not easy. Okay, so when we hear this is hard, that's why I can say, yes, the narrow road. It's not easy in the sense of what we're... Um, essentially called to do walk out your destiny scroll uh break down lies find the original intent be uh transformed by the renewing of our mind dine at the right table uh walk without fear walk without anxiety walk without depression uh walk against the world uh be in a successful marriage where you communicate and you uh are transparent and i mean the list goes on does any of that sound easy So then it's this facade of like, well, I became a Christian. I thought my life was going to get easier. If anything, it's harder because now you're submitted, now you're trained, and now you actually have to plow. When you were sitting with Satan, you didn't have to wrestle. You didn't have to get intimate. You got to sit, eat, and get fed. Um, and, and, And that feels good in the moment. If all I had to do was sit at a table and just eat, and I didn't have to multiply, and I didn't have to have marriage, and I didn't have to do... uh. You guys get it, right? That would be easier. So the lie is, is, well, I thought Christianity was easy. Therefore, this isn't accurate because his burden is light. His, it shouldn't be this complicated. While you are sitting with Hasatan and he's stroking your ego, it is super easy. Just stay right here all by yourself, and you don't have to lift a finger, forget plowing, Right? And then it's really bad, and, and this all sounds spiritual, but walk it out in relationships, and you're the one getting spit on saying what you're doing is harder. I know. I, but, but as a mom, I can see what's going to happen down the road if what you call is easy is the gospel. I understand this is hard, but that's going to end up being harder because it causes death. Selfishness will co- end up causing death, right? And so, anyways... Do we hit on that? This is hard. Does that make sense? So if you're starting to get, if you're starting to, like when Missy's talking about somebody's, somebody tells her, put your mom pants on. <laughs> and she's just like, that is just, this is too hard. Why would you have me do that? Or whatever it is, it would be so easy in that moment to disconnect from relationship and then have a multitude of excuses. Well, this is what I need to focus on or whatever it is, because that press or wrestle through to remind her, you do know what you're doing. You need to get back at, you know, I mean, right. There's all of those things that come with it because you're, you're pressing people to walk in their destiny scroll. And your destiny scroll is supposed to not be necessarily difficult, but it is difficult to press against the devourer and the enemy that wants to say, you don't have a scroll. And I watched daughters and sons and daughters and sons and grandchildren and, and all, everyone just basically sell out their destiny scroll for something that's comfortable. And that is what's hard. And it can feel like in the moment, I'm being trained and I don't want to remove that rock out of the path, but the 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 larger oxen can see the full picture why that why the younger one is only looking this rock is really big but the oxen is able to see what happens after what's before they see the bigger picture so a lot of the times it's not even so much like a correction it's a perspective shift from a higher perspective to be able to get us out of that dinner table okay all right so yes it's hard 
Are we okay with that? And this is all just the equipping part for the work of the ministry. This, everything we're talking about <laughs> is equipping for something that you're going to be doing. When we talk about the new era that we're entering into, the new era and how it applies to kingdom heirs and what this family is called to do, it's not just for the sake of us doing something or us fulfilling our own assignment. It's for the sake of the world is entering into a new place too. The world is entering into a new level of darkness, a new level of exposure and corruption. And so when we talk about this stuff, when she goes on Voxer for 45 minutes Listen, because if, if you're like, I'm about the work of the ministry, then I want the equipping, right? Some people might not even consider that going and getting discipleship is for something. They, might not, they may not even think that far. So when, when they're like, well, this is too hard. Well, when you get to the, to the work of the ministry place where you, you're confronted with those type of opportunities, you're definitely not, not going to think that's easy. Right? So, like, when just as a perspective, when we talk about all this, like that ox, that fully mature ox that's yoked to that young one might think, oh my God, how are we going to get past this thing right in front of my face? And that mature ox knows that what I'm taking you through, because you're connected to me, right? You're clinging to me. I'm discipling you and ultimately multiplying the next generation. That's what's happening. So, we got to understand, like, if, if we're already. Mm-hmm. quitting quitting church because somebody said, put your, your big boy pants on, right? I got to get back to work. <laughs> right? Like, a lot of us can't even handle, like, if somebody gives some criticism and then we, like, try to talk through it. But the fact that she said, put your big boy pants on, I got to get back to work, that's awesome. <laughs> but if we can't handle, if we can't even handle that in a family context... <laughs> In a covenant context, right? How, what, how are we ever going to handle the work of the ministry side? Right? <laughs> yes, I feel like I could go down a ton of different trails. Uh, it's, um, it, 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 it'll be interest, it's interesting to me how, I don't know if, I, I'm, I don't necessarily know how to explain it, but it, it, it blows my mind sometimes the, the things that I'll hear about a, a lifestyle, for example, that is not producing fruit will, will, will be, I'm trying to think of an example, but it, what's in my mind is, you know, somebody who will uh, have a lifestyle and that lifestyle is honored. And then you have a lifestyle where you're trying to work out the thing that produced that lifestyle and that's what's despised. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm super confused here. Like, I'm not understanding this, not that, not that this is, but these are the tools to grow you out of that lifestyle. And I'm just not, I just, I just don't necessarily, I don't, I don't understand that. But that's what I mean by it's for something. What I mean by that is, is obviously um, there's, a, there's a relationship that's been built to be able to be, um, earn the right to, to walk that way. But then what it does is it also trans. It, it transfers over into ownership. So in your place of work, or I guess what I'm trying to say is, is it's so easy in the work arena to be like, that is a, you know, a boss or whatever. And then you go into a different arena that's authentic and it's like, how dare you? 
I mean, not that that's necessarily even an example, but that will come up because it's an excuse to be like, to get out of the truth, but yet totally subject yourself to it all over the world. If that's, I guess that that's all I mean. So, okay. I'm trying to think of where I want to go with this. Uh, the other one that we uh, brought up with was us versus them. And I wanted to just kind of go back. Uh, I, I wanted to go back a little bit in our, um, in our history because I wanted to make sure that everybody was aware. Um, when, when, I say us, when I say us versus them, that minds, I mean, obviously you're seeing that all over the world, right? There's that, that line of division. And because it's running so rampant, we have to watch how it's permeating our brain cells, how we may even operate within a family. Because it is so easy in marriage, right? Us versus them. Him versus me, right? You're immediately in a situation and it's, we're in opposition and not realizing we're on the same team fighting something else. And so I just wanted to make sure that I, that I hit on that. Uh, and on a practical level, I want to make sure that we remember that the way that this family has been set up structurally. I don't know how many of you guys were there. It wasn't, there, it wasn't a lot of people. But if you remember last August, we did our uh, financial meeting. I think it was last August. I would go back to that podcast because dad and I chose to tag team for the first time as co-founder and co, what do you call it? Co-founder and co-leader, I don't know. Anyways, we, we said it that night. Uh, we tag teamed together and we really tackled a lot of mindsets about some things that was super powerful. But I just wanna remind us, if you guys remember way uh, years ago, we, did, we uh, uh, essentially abolished leadership. Is that the right word? Abolished. There was no leadership. There was no, we were like a family crawling on the ground, right? We, everything got tore down. We didn't have elder. We didn't have anything. So then what we did was Yahweh showed us, open it up to the entire family, and you're going to have blueprint meetings. Do you guys remember that? And every week we would have blueprint meetings where people would come, and out of two years of consistent blueprint meetings, Yahweh began to transform the group that came on a consistent basis and said, this is who you have discipled these people into a place of leadership where they have the ability to be a presbytery, which is a leadership over a region versus a local body. There were things that we had gone through all the way from large uh, decisions like selling buildings to navigating uh I don't even know, trash cans. It was, it was all of that. And so now what you see came out of that. Okay? What I want us to understand is now what we're doing is we're building vertically. So instead of trying to like have this mega thing, we're building large people. And we're building generationally where we're beginning to see grandchildren and great-grandchildren and we're seeing legacy because we believe in that oxen and the younger oxen raising that younger oxen to be that oxen. What I mean by that is, is that it is beginning to grow in that direction. So I want to safeguard that we don't have a mindset of us versus them back from an old mindset because we do have mothers, we have sons and daughters that are stepping into mothers and fathers, raising up the next generation, and we don't want that spirit to come in to say that there's an us versus them because I want to honor 
I want to honor our sons and daughters who went through that long process. Okay? What I mean by that is, is um, I'm trying to think of a, a natural family example. Sean comes in, and they're really good at this. They, like, pin us. Dad said, ask mom. Mom says, ask dad. And we're like, I mean, now we're on it. Did you say, right? So they're good, and they have a strong opinion about what they think that they should do. That's why they're pinning us against each other, because they have an agenda. But ultimately, what it produced was possibly division because it was him versus us or him versus me because we weren't operating as a family unit. And honoring that what we have to say about that situation, we might have a bigger perspective. So what it is that he's thinking is so right in his eyes that he was willing to divide. Okay, he, it, he, the, what he needed or what he wanted or what they were asking for in his mind was so right, I need a race car now. Right, Sean? And I have all these different little things that I, I think that this is, I think you should submit to somebody who has done RC cars before because we don't know anything about it. And if you talk to somebody, you'd be able to not make mistakes. You know, and he's, I want it now. How much is in my bank account? I've done the research. I did it all myself. It's only $300. And we have all these things. And it's, does that make sense? In his mind, it was worth it to him to cause division in the family because I want it now. And so I just want to make sure that we're safeguarding this us versus them, especially as we begin to grow larger and larger as a family, because there is no, uh, there is no separation, is what I'm saying. I want to ask a question, because I feel like this is such a kingdom concept, and it's something to think about. What, what's better, equality of opportunity or equality of outcome? You had to choose one. If that's how you were going to set up your family, your business, your whatever, your ministry, do you want everybody to have equality of opportunity or equality of outcome? Thank you. I'm like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. I just heard him. <laughs> so to the best of our ability. That was a sneaky way to ask communism or... <laughs> Capitalism? Capitalism or communism? (laughs) Or socialism? Uh, I mean, for example, like to the to the business owners, do you want to give do you want to equip your employees with all the resources, all the skills, all the knowledge, all the teaching? You can give them everything and let them embrace what they're gonna embrace. They can absorb all of it, they can absorb none of it. Or do you want to pay your employees the same amount of money every year, no matter what they do? Right? We do the best, to the best of our ability and understanding, the way that we lead is that there's an equipping, and it's all the same for everybody. When we talk about presbytery, it was open to everyone, was invited to be a part or not. And it's not a, it's not a, uh, condemnation if you're not or anything like that but to those that would say 
us versus them who would think this way, you have to reconcile that against the structure that's been implemented that, like with our children, we give them all the same opportunity. It does not mean they all have the same outcome. Right. <laughs> you, you could give your employees all the same stuff. They start on the same starting line, right? And they're not all going to achieve the same outcome. But if they come back after, after the people that Once embrace they- the opportunity have gone through this process, and then the us versus them people come back and say, well, why do they get that salary and I don't? I should get the same salary. Well, well, that's it, what they're doing. They're, they're on the field. They're in the arena of equality of outcome. And usually, we'll, you'll start to see it when this is starting to manifest. So, like, if this is the starting line and somebody's over here and somebody's over here, all of a sudden, that's what will end up starting to... Yeah. Meaning, but that's a good thing. There's fruit. The fruit is manifesting. And then usually, that is when you'll start to see this... Does that make sense? So a lot of people that operate like this, they won't recognize the opportunity until it turned into something. Right? If I don't, I don't want to raise my children to just have an outcome. I want to raise my children to recognize opportunities. Right? So just, just you might be thinking, like, why are we talking about outcome and opportunity? That, that's just... This is the mindset. This is what happens when you operate in an us versus them mindset. You, you have to reconcile that you want the same outcome as everybody else, even though you're not willing to go through the process or recognize the opportunities. Does that make sense? So we're just wanting to like, right? We're not, we're not smashing anyone. We're smashing these mindsets because they don't line up. They're not in alignment. Well, and ultimately, that mindset will go back to the building process. So if you think about the pillars, and if we are not need-based, but we're turning, then ultimately, the environment that we believe that we're to create is the hunger to multiply what you see versus I don't understand why. So uh, I'm just going to give a practical example. Um, Let's say this is an example in relationship. Okay, so let's say somebody sees, um, I want to I make this real. M- Megan's not here. She's downstairs. Let's say somebody sees that Megan is like super close with me, right? What the environment that we would want is that people would be hungry. How did that get there? And then I'm going to multiply that in my life versus I'm going to stay over here and blame I didn't get that. So ultimately what I mean by that is, is and I have this in my, uh, in my mind right now, uh, Kendra got me this uh, slap bracelet that has like a little unicorn on it, and she goes, when I got that for you, it kind of just reminded me of like Megan on you. Like she's just this unicorn slap bracelet that's just like on you, and I actually have it on my my lamp. And so every time I, anyways, it's just kind of funny. There's there is uh, the environment should be pro- uh, remember uh, produced to jealousy. What was it that was made manifest in the thing that I'm? It could be anything, whether it be relationship, it could be finances, it could be a home, it could be 
fellowship, I don't, I don't know, the list of things, job, whatever. What, instead of, oh, why do they have that kind of job and I don't? It would be, what do I need to do to cling to that person to be discipled because they might know more than me? And what can I do to learn from them to be successful versus being at odds? That's not fair. And so here's my outcome and I'm going to point the finger and blame and I'm going to keep my outcome. That's just that operating in that victim mentality to, to keep you there. That's where that press is because to take that step of, they might know more than me. Right? That's a scary thing to be trained by somebody in something that I thought I was awesome at. And then all of a sudden it begins to multiply, but it begins to manifest in your life. And so there's an honor. What we're trying to do is smash this because this is where, our, this is where the country or the world is at. Us versus them, blame and keeping things in a position versus being able to uh, operate out of a place of honor and being able to honor what it is that is around us, not being threatened by it, but wanting it, putting it in uh, to our and then being able to multiply that because you know you can always okay presbytery it ain't a closed deal any any one of you hungry to like get at some things i got i'll swap some of you out (laughs) right but seriously you think oh i'm in we got sons and daughters meeting tomorrow. We're going over standards. You think you're in, but you're like, I don't have to abide by all the standards. I'm in the in crowd. Sorry, we're, things are starting to shift. You're not upholding standards, then you shouldn't be leading a region. I'm not actually talking about, <laughs> I'm just saying, if that's the direct, I'm not saying this isn't a done deal. It's just, if, it's, if the time is up, the door is done, there's, so that you can still go back to opportunity and never be like, well, I'm done right? There's always that opportunity to come back and be like, oh, what can I do to gain that? Typically what it ends up happening is either A, you got to start over, look at the opportunity, self-reflect, look at yourself, start over, or how can I attach to this and what do I need to learn? Where's that gap, that uh, ministry of reconciliation, where's that gap and what do I need to do in that gap? Or you can just stay there and keep saying it's everyone else's fault. So that's what we're trying to demolish with us versus them. Okay? All right. What was the last one that we had to do? We're not ready to give up. We did. Oh, number four. Oh! (laughs) I'm like, it's convenient. I don't remember that one. I think we're done. (laughs) Number four. Since we have money, we should be spending it. All right. Now, that mindset is not a new mindset. We ta- the reason why I said to go back to the podcast is we tackled that a lot at the financial meeting. Because at the financial meeting, we got into the depth of where things are in what accounts so that we could understand as a family, we're not just utilizing this large sum of money to pay all of our operations. You guys remember when we talked about that, all the, d- the detail of how things are being maneuvered, and I'll explain why. But uh, we went through that in detail for, for us to understand as a family that mindset of like, oh, well, we're good. What's the point of sewing in? Because we were at a point where on our, okay, we basically have two things going on. You've got operations and then you've got savings. And right now our operations is inflow and outflow. And our inflow and outflow is fine. It's not red, but it's right there. So there's not a whole lot of multiplication or growth. 
Okay, that has nothing to do with the fact that we have savings and we recognize that. But as a family, we operate a certain way and somebody who doesn't know that could have the mindset, well, who cares if we're in a place of multiplication because we have all this money. Not knowing how we function as a family. So during our financial meetings, we're very detailed about how we function as a family so that you guys have insight as to what is going on in the family. Just like in your natural family, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but we are very transparent about our financial situation with our children at the dinner table because, again, when they're like, I want this now, and it looks like there's the ability to do that, they need to see our perspective, what our goals are, what our vision is, what's going on behind the scenes for them to be able to understand some things so that they can get the same perspective so that they're not necessarily still stuck in their mindset. Okay, so that's all that those uh, financial meetings were for. So I would recommend going back to that podcast. I'm pretty sure it was in August. Okay, but I do want to do a, um, what did I call it? An example? A demonstration. (laughs) Okay, so just for the sake of it, you come stand right here. Okay, you guys are going to, Gabby, will you help me? with math. Will you guys be easy on me? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay, I want you guys to hop up and you're gonna have the microphone and as a daughter or as a son, I want you to come to the family and I want you to say, if you had a million dollars. Oh, so I was right. Oh no, sorry, sorry. There. I, I'm prophetic. Because I'm going to get there, and I'm going to talk to you about why we're legacy-minded, because it'll show. Okay, so uh, go ahead. Just anybody hop up and just say, and you know what? And if you want to, if we want to get gritty, get real. Gritty. Like, I, I, know, I know that there's been some conversations. Let me, let me, let me start. There's an example that I heard about that somebody was like, my kid really wants to go to college. The church can pay for it. They got lots of money. Literally came, came to me. So how much is college? This college, let me just say, this college would be the whole million, but we'll just say it's just college. 50000 a year times four years would be 200000 Okay. All right, 200,000 gone because somebody wanted to go to college. Okay, I'm not going to actually do the math. We're just going to do that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to take tally. <laughs> I didn't want to actually do that. Okay, next, next one. Go ahead, Thomas. 100,000 toys. How much do they cost? How much is each toy? Oh. He's making it easy for us. Thank you for making it easy for me. <laughs> okay. So we have a toy drive. Perf- great. That's awesome. Go ahead. A new house. Oh, well, we're done. Sorry. The kind of house I, I mean, I don't know. Let's say we gift two houses. Two really small houses in Flagstaff. Uh, 400,000? Two people, two people got 200000 got a lot. And now we're in $100,000 in debt. Oh, 
four, five, six, seven. No, we're not. We still got 300,000. No, you said two houses. Well, I meant two houses at 200,000. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. What'd you say, babe? Bills? Like, pay my bills. How, how much do we need to pay your bills? 20,000 on your bills. Some Good job, Stephanie. Benevolence fund, helping hands fund. Okay. No adults have any suggestions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're all using your kids. <laughs> no, okay. Kids, hands down. You guys are awesome. I want to hear from the adults. Tell your mom. <laughs> Family sent to Disneyland. Ten, five thousand? Five thousand? Where are we staying? Okay, five. What'd you say? Leadership conference, 10,000. Yeah, like in your guys' opinion, right? Because every, everybody has Where are we at, Gabby? their thoughts on what. 65,000 left? What should ministry funds go for? Right? Somebody might say feed the homeless. Somebody might say, I don't know. Yeah, all what, amazing what are those, ideas. Could we're not, you imagine? we're not saying that these things are wrong. So what are the, is this what we have left right now? Uh-huh. Kingdom or swag? 10,000? I still really want a shower RV. Shower RV with 7,000? I don't know. 10,000? An RV with portable showers. You can drive around so homeless can take showers. Charity. How much? 1,000 charity. Let's, go ahead. Mm. Upgrade this. We'll say 20,000. You can already tell we're starting to get on a budget, right? Because I said only 20,000 because there's not that much left. When we had the million, we would have been like, let's upgrade the building. We got what, 100 grand? Right? We started at a million and somebody said upgrade the building first. We probably would have said 100,000. Right? But now we're on a budget, so I said 20,000. Okay? Go ahead. Go ahead, Thomas. No. They all got toys. Okay, my point in that demonstration is you can tell that you have a lot of children. Now, I'm just going to talk locally, okay, because that's not even how we think. I'm going to take it a step further. You have a lot of children with a lot of needs, desires, hearts, and scrolls. You can tell that that million dollars doesn't go very far when you have that many children, okay? 
So now you're at the end of all that great, great vacation, great benevolence, bills are paid, toys have been handed out, we've got a homeless shower, we're, 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 we're serving the community, we're, uh, we're honoring one another, we're, right? So, I mean, that, for, on, for on the fly, that was a pretty good budget line is what I'm saying. Um, and now it's gone. All right? So... The demonstration that I wanted to be able to present is that you, just like with Sean's example, now moving into finances, that one example, so like Stephanie, pay, pay my bills, or my kid wants to go to college, the church has money, it's like there's this one perspective, and that's the only perspective, and it seems like it's so small. Well, it's a whole million dollars, but when you start adding everyone's perspective, all of a sudden your perspective gets very small in relationship to the overall picture. Now, the reason why I'm going to take it a step further is because, yes, there's a lot of uh, children in the family. So as like parents, for example, there's a lot to take care of, which is why... The mindset, let's go back to the burning building, okay? Remember, we preached on this, burning building, and you're trying to figure out why the parents stepped over the bleeding child to get at the burn site, or there's an a active shooter, and I've, Logan is on the floor, and he's like, Nana, and I have to look at him, and I have to step over Logan because I need to get at the shooter, or all my other kids are going to be out. Okay, in that moment, who are you that you would step over Logan? To Logan's perspective, this is the only thing that matters is my bleeding leg, not realizing I'm actually saving him from dying, even though he's losing his leg, he was going to die if I didn't get at that root. So there's a whole lot to think about, and in the same with finances. For me, personally, this is just how I operate. To me, a million dollars is nothing. Here's why. For 100 toys, 100,000 toys, that was a lot. For a vacation, that's a lot. For bills, that's a lot. For two homes, that's a lot. For the porn industry, it's a dollar. When I'm up against a multi-billion dollar industry, the million dollars doesn't get very far. And I'm after adoption and I'm after roots. I'm not after Vacations or, 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 or whatever. The things that are the immediate need are absolutely necessary. I'm not saying that they're not necessary, but there's organizations for that. There, those needs are being met, and so when you're stepping over that, I am relying on the medic to come behind me because I have the ability to get at that guy. I'm hoping that the medic's going to follow and take care of him while I'm focused at what I need to to provide for a legacy. So, uh, so for example, that million dollars to us is not there. And it's not going to essentially be touched because what we're trying to do right now is grow it because we would love to be a self-sufficient family where you have, I don't know how much you guys understand this, but when it comes time to investments, 2% on your $50 is what? You guys are going to have to help me with that. 50 cents? A dollar? 2% on $50. You, get, you made a dollar. So in one month, you put $50 into the bank. You're making 2%, which you're not going to find at any bank. But let's just say I'm giving that to you. You make 2%. You just made a dollar in a month. 
If you put a million dollars in the bank at 2%, now what is it? Huh? 2% of a million dollars. Huh? 20,000. So in a month, you made 20,000. Do you see the exponential growth? So if you act like it's not there and you invest it, you can now look at it that the 20,000 that you made is what you can skim off the top, utilize to function while you're never tapping into your principal. It's being legacy-minded or it's being the next generation-minded. So if I could be as bold as to say, just to kind of calm this, but we've got a lot of money, what if I said nobody in this room is ever going to see that? Because three generations from now, they're going to have $8 million to deal with, and that's going to actually put a, 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 a well, eight, eight, even $8 million isn't a lot. But $8 million might give a little bit more of an oomph at some root issues than a $1 million would. Does that make sense? So, Let me ahead. ask this question. Do we want, think about, don't just think about kingdom heirs and the resources that we have. Think about your own finances. Do you want the funds that Yahweh blessed you with to be your opportunity? Do you want it to be an opportunity or an outcome? Right? Because if we think about the funds that we have as an outcome, then we've made it. If you think about, if I gave everybody in the room a million dollars, some may look at it like we've made it. Right? We're going to spend this money. I know what I'm going to do with it. And it's already, and you, and you just, that's the end of it, right? Some people are going to look at it as an opportunity and they're just going to sow it and just, it's going to make more money, right? You can also, these words could be synonymous. Outcome could be synonymous with pastoral. If you think about everybody getting the same outcome, that's in alignment with a type of pastoral ministry that, uh, gives beds, gives shelter for the night, gives plates of food, right? You're making the outcome equal for everybody. And that's not a bad thing, right? When you're, when you're called to operate that way or you're, you've been called to do that, that's not a bad thing. We need that sometimes. But we also need the apostolic that creates, uh, it creates the ability for, instead of just giving somebody a bed at night or giving them a plate of food, and that same person can go through the same line 10 years later, right? What this will do is create an opportunity to where that person, you set them on a trajectory to get their own house or to be debt-free and sleep in their own bed every night and break the cycle off their family of homelessness or poverty or whatever. And that's what happens when you're dealing with root things. It's a lot more expensive. A bed for a night might cost $200 to disciple somebody into a transformed life may cost 20000 So it's a different, it's a whole different mindset as to why we would say a million dollars isn't a lot. So uh, the, I just also want, and I know that we talked about this during the financial meeting on how much growth there was. With the latest, I want to give an example, a personal example. Jalen actually just found out today that he has an account that has been growing in investments that he didn't know about. And so I felt like, I thought he knew, so I felt like, surprise! Like I felt like it was like another gift. 
And I said, so I was the horrible mom when you were three years old, you know, when you really had to have that slime, and I took your birthday money and I invested it for you. And so you didn't get the slime that you wanted, but now that you're 16, you've got about five grand in your pocket. And you didn't even know you had it because I just kind of took your $25 birthday money, right? Instead of taking that money and just like, oh, I want this or whatever, we would take it. We would put it into what we call a fun money account. Now when he's 16, he's got about $5,000 because it's been growing at 17% interest rate, meaning very small amounts are going. I mean, I'm talking $25 birthday check. Not a whole lot has been put into it, but yet what's coming out of it is almost $5,000. That is a big opportunity that in the moment he would have thought that I was ripping an opportunity away if I was telling him, well, you can't use the $25 because we're going to do this. Does that make sense? But it's that, it's that instant gratification for trade for future generations of what it is that he's doing. Amen? So I wanted to just make sure that we understood. And again, there's a whole lot to finances. So if anybody has any questions about anything, We're always an open book. There's always uh, tons of, I mean, we're ECFA accredited. We're being watched. We have our things all lined up. But I just want to make sure that we're constantly, uh, as a family, creating a family identity that we think future, that we're thinking apostolically, we're thinking opportunity, okay? And I also want, can can I say one more thing about this? Um. I thought it was interesting. I actually had a financial meeting with our financial advisor, and it was interesting what he was talking to me about, about making some moves this year. And I told him, I said, this is kind of interesting. I feel like this portfolio is lining up a lot with the portfolio we're doing personally. And he was like, well, yeah, it is. So what I want to challenge you, what I mean by that is I'm not saying this is our identity while the brewers are over here walking a different lifestyle. That's what I'm saying. What I want you to challenge yourself with is make sure that the mindset you have for kingdom heirs is also your own mindset as well. Does that make sense? Just like why we would be held accountable, that we would operate personally the same way we would, because blood versus blood, right? So if I'm operating that personally, there would be no shift. Well, I'm in the church world, so this is going to be different than how I operate Personally, I would hope that I would raise sons and daughters to do the same thing. That if you're thinking that this is what the church should do, then that would mean it lines up with what you're also doing. Okay? So, Thomas, hundred. I want 100,000 toys. I would hope that if he had a checkbook, I could see that he is always buying toys for people or whatever that looks like. Does that make sense? That your mindset is the same. Same, as, same, same for with us. Amen? So if we go back, since we have money, we should spend it. To just sum up what we're saying is that the vision that God gave this ministry, this family, this house, is that he blessed us with a million dollars, and he gave it to us as a, as a, as a step in the process of where we're going. We, he didn't give it to us as an outcome, so now we've made it. Right? He gave it to us. It's, it's a stepping stone for legacy and sustainability that wasn't there before. Um, before, the, the legacy was different. He shifted the legacy of this organization, and now he gave us that money, which we're looking at as an opportunity. Right. So just to bring it back around to the question. And you have to embrace opportunity, positive and negative. So when I want to honor the presbytery that was there for the two years, crying when we had to deal with 
not-so-awesome circumstances. You know, the not-so, there, there, there is a way to walk through things, and if there's an honor that's coming, because people have walked through the suck, through the, like the, through the debt, through the, when you have no opinions coming in, because I'm mine. But we walked in ownership of a mess, just like we'll walk in ownership of the fruit. So you have to play, you have to play both sides. So if, if you have to, you, does that make sense? So it, it's easy now, like Sean, coming into legacy to be like, I want this now. And I'm like, well, you should have been in the room on your face helping me intercede when we had to eat McDonald's. I don't remember. I don't know what we did. <laughs> I don't remember what we did. But I know that there was definitely a time where we didn't even go to the gas station. I remember one time, Dee, I came in with a Starbucks, and she goes, I'm so proud of you. Because I didn't, we didn't, you know what I mean? Like, we just didn't, he doesn't remember that. He doesn't remember the things that we had to walk through. He's just walking in legacy, and it's like, oh, and then not necessarily. We still want to train that in him, right, so that he can be able to multiply that. Okay. Yeah, I think we got we, through. When we had a uh, $100 in our account, we managed it with the same diligence <laughs> as the amount of money. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, if I gave everybody 100 bucks, whatever you do with it is going to be a good indication of how you're going to handle a million dollars, right? Because your mindset about money is going to dictate what you do with it. It's true. <laughs> Okay, I think we got at all of the mindset, so I want to open it up. We have about 25 minutes for questions, discussion. What did you say? Oh, nice. Go ahead, Katie. All right, so please, because live and when we record this for the podcast, if you just shout the question and you don't put it in the microphone, nobody knows what we're talking about. So if you have a question, please wait till I get there with the mic so we can have you ask the question on the mic, okay? So. No intimidation that you're going to be on podcast. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Katie's first? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, how do you... Uh don't go, like, how do you stay and I'm going to mortgage my fa finances and not go into a poverty mentality of I'm not going to spend anything um, so that I will have more? Meaning, uh, how do you balance not spending anything and operating in poverty? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I think that, I think ultimately it's about for me anyways, I think ultimately it's about mindset. So typically poverty will come in, I'm not going to have any more, so I can't spend it, versus spending what your freedom is and having boundaries on what you don't have freedom on yet in order to grow more because you should always be growing in freedom. So for example, if I was still the same person saying we're never allowed to go out to eat, but we're growing and I never expand my boundaries, that would be poverty. But typically what happens is people will say, well, you're operating in poverty and they want to jump from this level of boundary to this level of boundary and not go through that training. So for me, the way that I would envision it is that you're, you should always be, um, 
you are the controller of money. And so a lot of that comes with how your mindset is and how it serves you. But in order for money to serve you, it has to be a tool, which means you wouldn't be able to spend it, but you should be able to spend it in relationship in context to what you have and making sure that your boundaries are growing. Does that make sense? So it would be like uh, what she's talking about for those that may not know how to do it by the spirit. It would be like having a budget and having like a freedom line or this is our play money. And then as you evaluate where you're growing, so let's say your principal, you, now you're at a point where you're never touching your principal and you've got money rolling in, you basically then can increase your budget in increments of that, but it's okay to say I have a boundary and say I'm never going to touch that million because that's my principle and I need that to generate money. It also will determine on what you mean by legacy. Look at your ratios of what you're spending on yourself in your freedoms versus what you're saving. So for example, uh, I don't know a a good percentage, but let's just say it was 50-50. That's a pretty big percentage to spend 50 and save 50. So sometimes we'll look at our ratios. So like personally, well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd be able to get into that, but personally, there is a high ratio of what we're saving, but it's never out of order where you're saving or investing, I should say a lot and never spending, but it's also not the other way around. So you just have to create that ratio for you to make sure you're operating outside of that. I think the simplest thing, Katie, is However much money you make, it's kind of like tithing, right? 10% is the same for everybody. Their, their amounts of money are different, but 10%, it's proportional. So if you, however much money you make, if you budget for yourself and you say, if I want to use money for entertainment, I'm going to use 5% of it, right? If you make 100 bucks, that's 5 bucks. right? Maybe you go get a thirst buster or something and you, you know, buy your friend one. Right? You guys hang out. Right? But if you make if you make a million dollars, right, that's fifty thousand. You know what I mean? It's all proportionate. I heard a story one time that real quick, Jay Z people were all up in arms because the rapper Jay Z took some friends out. It was like him and his wife and two other people, and he spent ninety thousand dollars on dinner somewhere. I don't even know where you could spend that much money on dinner, but people were all in an uproar about it because like there's starving kids in Africa, right? All this stuff. Well, think about how much money he makes, right? He's worth billions. So if you ta- if you scale that down, that'd be like that'd be like us that'd be like us spending ten bucks at McDonald's and people being all in an uproar. Or about judging it. that we're spending ten dollars at a restaurant and not knowing what we're giving. So not looking at what Jay Z is doing, but looking at what he spent and not understanding right. the ratio of what it is they're doing. So I think an easy way to balance is, is, and you could always change the percentages, but it's always proportional, right? Um, how do you like? If you saved up the money and then you start spending it, but you spend too much, like, how do you get out of that? How do you get out of debt? So, again, it's going to be, well, my biggest advice is accountability. Find somebody who's done it and walk it out with them because there's going to be strategies that you cannot see because you are going to be like, I have to have that dinner. 
That is a lifestyle. And so sometimes you have to rein in your freedoms to be able to flip the script, right? And it doesn't always have to last. But how, basically, you just have to come up with a game plan of how you're going to get yourself out of that. One, I would say submission, clinging with people, and then really just looking at projecting what's coming in and being able to come up with a game plan of being able to pay off that little bit while you're keeping up on things at the same time. That's an interesting and, question because... No, go ahead. Cut you so think about it. You, you get yourself in a debt, right? And you're like, who can I talk to, right? If you even go that far. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to Derek and Sally. They're good with money. I'm going to go talk to them, right? Because you see the outcome. You see the fruit, right? But then you go talk to them and they're like, we know exactly what you need to do. You need to cut your spending here. You need to do this. You need to shift all this money, put it in the bank, stop doing Usually this. And you're like, like, nah, never mind. You're like, hold on. I'm not, I'm not going to do all that, right? You have to get past that because that's that hard process. You see the fruit. You go talk to somebody, right? That's what discipleship is. That's why Yeshua said, do what you, do what you see your father doing. That's where the yoke doing. is easy, but the work is hard. <laughs> right. They can I'm make attached. it look easy. Right? To where you're like, oh, man, I could do that. I'm attached to strategy. I'm, a, I'm attached at how to get the answer, but to walk out the answer is a, little bit, is a little bit harder. So you have to have the fortitude, like I see the fruit, and I want the process to the fruit. And just That's practically, I, I, and I mean, we, we talk about this a lot during finance, but I just want to say practically, sometimes there are some debt that is good for you because you want to build your credit score. So I would recommend if there are parents who are going to raise the next generation, when they start turning 16, get them in a bank, get them a debit card, give them an allowance, get them a credit card, put all the bills on the credit card, and you pay it off. Yeah, you got to let not Make the debt. I use credit card as a tool. I do not use a credit card to be able to have debt. I have a credit card because I get points and then I get some more money at the end of the year and I'm just using it to, to benefit myself because I'm swiping, 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 not so that I'm not paying because it. The I pay there. I pay one bill. I mean, I don't pay one bill. I pay one large bill a month because all my stuff is on that one card, but I'm accumulating things that benefit me. So credit cards can benefit you. You just have to know how to utilize them and you should have certain lines of credit. There's, there's all of of that and you know assets are a bit like cars are different uh, I mean this is just our philosophy we pay cash for that kind of stuff the cars are different but things that are going to appreciate can be different where you can utilize and leverage leverage mortgages to be able to handle debt in certain ways all financial strategy go ahead oh go ahead I'm not watching the mic guy um, how do you um, how can you deal with or confront the the them versus or me versus them or them versus us mentality in the context of money, whether it's like, whether it's like giving or even just some of the practical things that you're talking about where there's, where it's, where it's the us versus them mentality. Does that make sense? What I'm asking? How, how do you confront it? You said, so like if you're, so if in myself, I'm trying to figure out, um, Deal, whether it's like internally dealing with a poverty mindset or whether it's outward trying to like hoard things versus being a giver and, and, and then just some of the practical examples that you've been giving with some of the money questions already. Um, how, do you, how do you deal, if you're feeling that you're dealing with that us versus them or me versus them money mentality, how can, how can you walk through that? I would say probably the easiest way to sum that up is to 
So if you were having a conversation with somebody and you feel like there's that mindset and operation and you're trying to confront it, I would define the conversation and the context of the conversation in terms of are you focusing on an outcome or are you focusing on a process? Or you're focusing on the outcome but not the process, and so it's putting you in this position, like why should they... I don't know, for instance, I don't know if this is what you're asking, but like, say somebody has a lot of money and they're like, well, why, why do they get a lot of money and I don't? You know, well, bring that conversation to the context of the process that you would have to go through to be in that place rather than focusing on just the outcome or the, you know, the fruit that people can see on the surface, right? You can't see what's going on under the ground, what it took to get there. That's, that's what I would think. When you ba- when you make a big investment and then you don't do what you were planning on, like you were told to do something with it that you were like, that's not what I'm not, like I'm never going to do that. I worked so hard for this. Is that like, should I be focusing on the process of that or the outcome of it? Because if I'm focusing on the outcome, I'm going to, not I'm going to do what I was like the plan that I came up with mm-hmm. and not his mm-hmm. asking, asking for from a friend, a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so what Logan's talking about is a little bit um, th- there there are those moments where we're talking about having a firm foundation we're talking about how there's the structure there's what you're characterized by it's making sure that you have a firm foundation but then there's those like side swipes where the Lord says why don't you retire and just like work for free for five years and you're like what that doesn't make and I'm gonna lose I've lost I lost all of my retirement those are those crazy things that was not my plan right? And that's his plan. And that is where the spiritual side comes in and you know that he is, he is the provider. Again, you've got to reconcile and go back to the beginning of what I said. You know, um, you know, he is my provider and saying that's a good thing, but then hiding under he'll provide. Therefore, I don't have to have any kind of strategy because he'll just provide. So I'm not really yoked. Then there's the other side where you don't want to have all earthly strategy and have this is my game plan and you're never allowing yourself to be yoked for those crazy things that he's going to maneuver you in. And so there's just, there's a balance in that. And I think what you said is you're not focusing on the outcome, you're focusing on the process because it's the process that's going to produce more fruit. I want to add to that because I've, um, I'm I'm picking up what you're laying down. (laughs) So some, Okay. Sometimes God tells you to go through a process, right? And so you're like, you're tracking and you're like, oh, this is what's going to happen, right? Or you even have somebody telling you this is how you do this, right? <laughs> so God, God sets you down. He sets you down a path. This is so good. I love it. <laughs> By the way, I want to say if he was hurt in a building, he'd be dragging everybody out. That's true. I, that was a bad example. He'd be like one I leg. I'm with you, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get him for you. <laughs> but how cool is this? So, like, sometimes we look at our children and you start them on a process. You, you have them engage in a process. They might think what the end result's going to be, right? So sometimes God will set you down a, a process or a purpose 
And what God's end result is maybe isn't what yours is. I'm not saying what I, can, I know what the situation is. That's why it might sound kind of weird what I'm saying. But God may have somebody else in mind, and that's why he sent you down that process. But you going through that process is not in vain, right? Because the process that I know you're talking about, you're going you're gonna to do that again and again. You're going to keep doing it because I know how you, how you are. Um, so you're going to have those opportunities because you're concerned with opportunity, that's how you think. You're not concerned with outcome to where what, what is in your hands is going to be. That's it. We made it. We did it. You don't think like that. So that's not going to be the last time. But sometimes God will have you do stuff with other people in mind, right? Sometimes we think what the end result's going to be, and it might not be that. It might be something else. I want to speak to that just a little bit, uh, just like for you guys to understand this again, there's this uh, concept of two things coming together and it's all about the origin. So when Logan's talking about uh, focusing on the process, you may have a job, right? But the scripture says, don't work by the sweat of your brow. So you have a job, but you're working by the spread of you know, the sweat of your brow because you're, you're working and I need an income and then I'm working and I need an income and you're just, you're on this rat race, right? Or you operate from a place of rest which a lot of people will say, oh, well, then that means I don't have to do anything. No, you still have the job. It's just the opportunity, Diana, is I'm there for the people. And so my focus is what am I here to serve? Who am I going to meet today? And you're coming out of, a, you're coming out of his nature versus this taskmaster working. But you still have the same job, still the same boss, still the same phone, still the same whatever you got, still the same paperwork, but it's about where you're coming out of. So it's the same thing when Yahweh asks you to do crazy things. You're looking at the origin of the process. Am I coming out of a place of working towards or am I coming from a place of rest and operating out of that opportunity? Good questions. Anyone else? This is for everyone else. Uh, my question shifts gears from money. Um, when you were teaching on the two families and you were giving the metaphor like that you have Hasatan's family, right? And then uh, Yahweh's and then you have sons in Yahweh's family like, like, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but like bickering or like throwing stones or whatever. I was hoping to just get maybe a practical example of what that looks like. Like, cause it, in, when you were teaching, it felt like that's such a huge distraction when we have a whole other family to save and we're over here. Like, could you give an example of what you meant by that? Um, yeah, I think that that might tie into that one example that I was talking about where I just don't understand how you have another lifestyle and then you have the lifestyle and it's his family and we're frustrated about that lifestyle and yet that's the answer. And yet when you're over here with his family, it's like, it's all good, you know? So an example would be, um, well, I mean, church denominations, Right? So church denomination is a perfect example, right? We should all be fighting the same battle, but we're so focused on which church is better, which pastor has the best likes, who's got the best Instagram, who's liked the most, who's got the biggest numbers, 
We're, we're, it, we're, it, Baptist versus Lutheran, Pentecostal versus, it's this, there's this, uh, it, it's what Missy was talking about. The bride doesn't know who she is. So we're over here trying to find our own identity and we're divided when ultimately we're supposed to be bringing light into the darkness and it's about the light and it's about that. But we're more concerned about the idiosyncrasies or the, the, um, the, um, the daily life of that family. Um, Yeah. Um, I'm, I want to think, I want to come up with like an actual practical example. It would be like, um, I, I'm, it's, sometimes it's hard to think of examples because then it gets like, then it's like, but I, but I'm trying to think of like, um, uh, you, you actually walk someone through helping them in their marriage and you are putting your light in, in that darkness and you are walking them through. And then like what he said, how did you do it? And you said, this is what you got to do. You're going to have to put your phone. You're going to have to lay your phone down. You have to have a flip phone. Oh, she's nuts. They're crazy. They're sin over there. And so then they leave. And then now Gabe and Ellen are the talk of the town because you, whatever, whatever it is. So then there's that that's going on when it's like the darkness was what was, what was infiltrating your home. You know what I mean? I mean, it, that's what we're supposed to be. But yet we're focusing on the details of that. Does that make sense? That's what, you know, I, I still, the practical example I have is JJ and Andrew being like, when they were, you know what I mean? Because that's usually what happens. We're close over here. You have to wrestle. You're intimate over here, which then causes that. But that's why you're supposed to transform. Over here is easy. There's not really a whole lot of conflict, just death. <laughs> right? It's just conflict. It's just lie of life that causes death. Over there, there's that wrestling. But if we get on the wrong battlefield, we're focusing on that wrestling and we're not realizing the wrestling is for you to be transformed so you can actually take out this over here. But we never get past salvation. We never get past what our destiny is. We're just over here wrestling the whole time. What about me? What about me? What about me? And so we're fighting our brothers and sisters and not realizing that we've got a greater call and it's outside of ourselves. It's the work of the ministry. We're irritated about the discipleship, realizing we haven't even started yet. It's that. All right, you can come up here. Do we answer everyone's questions? Or at least the ones that we have for right now? Okay. I will say that I do believe that in the month where we align, I have a feeling that we might be doing anyways meetings in January. Like essentially that's what happened is, is that we have to watch what we're aligned with so that we can what in this month? Secure the generations because whatever you're aligned with is what's going to be secured. So I think it's just a good opportunity to start off the Gregorian calendar with just what are those 101 things? What are those anyway things to make sure that we are on the right trajectory for the generations going forward? Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at Kingdomares 
flag.org. Thank you.